Blog Talk Radio. coverage of the NCAA tournament on College Hoops Digest Radio continues. John Fanta here with you on CHD Radio. Welcome to Late Night Hoops. We are taking your calls tonight. 718-664-9391. 718-664-9391. And I start with this. A splash move. It's one that we're used to in Queens. It's one that we get with Chris Mullins. But it's also one, folks, that came and really looks as if it came even before Steve Lavin was asked to leave. Chris Mullins is coming home 30 years after he dominated the courts in Queens. Is it a great choice for publicity? Absolutely. Is it a great choice to have a face of the program? Absolutely. Is it a choice that's going to help you win games? That, folks, remains to be seen. And if you want to say right now that it is, please, folks, he has not coached a game yet. Chris Mullen is a legend. He's an outstanding player. There have been many outstanding players who have then been outstanding coaches. There have been many outstanding players who have been horrible coaches. And I'm not here to try and open up the show and be negative with St. John. But I will say this. I will say this. Steve Lavin did not disagree with him being asked to leave. I thought he could have done much more with the talent that he had, the veterans that he had. D'Angelo Harrison should not be exiting on the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, and he did. Chris Mullen now comes in. 
and automatically gives this program an identity. But, folks, you've got to win. And I understand from what it looks like with this move, a lot of money had to do with it. It's a great money move for St. John's and for Queens. And they should be able to get recruiting done. This team virtually returns nothing, though, next year. Rice Jordan, okay. But you know what? Beyond that, not a whole lot. And now Chris Mullen has his work cut out for him having not recruited as a head coach, having not been in this position. I mean, that is a lot to ask for of one man who's a legendary player. Don't get me wrong. But no sense here. I really thought Steve Lavin getting asked to leave and and then parting ways with Steve Lavin. A lot of that had to do A lot of that had to do with the idea that Chris Mullen could come in. Is that the right way? We shall see. Big-time figure, big-time face. There's no doubt about it. Big-time guy. This is a big-time move. This is how St. John's does it. It's how they've done it before. And this move is going to be completely intriguing. And to have this kind of a coach in the Big East Conference is great for the league. It truly is outstanding for the Big East Conference. We are taking your calls at 718-664-9391. 718-664-9391. That is the number to call. This is Late Night Hoops on College Hoops Digest Radio. John Fanta here with you. And I look at this move, and St. John's will formally have the press conference tomorrow afternoon. It is on ESPN3. I look at this move, and I like it in the fact that this is a publicity creator. It really is a, a good move for St. John's in terms of that. But I, I kind of hesitate to say, that this is a huge win by St. John's when Chris Mullen has his work cut out for him. He really does. He's already trying to build with his staff. I like to see that. Don't get me wrong there. That's certainly encouraging. As Zach Braziller from the New York Post, he reported this evening, actually today, that Mullen has already made one move for his coaching staff. Matt Abdomasi, the assistant coach, will join Chris Mullins' staff. The press conference tomorrow at 1.30. It will be at Carnesecca Arena and should be very exciting there at Carnesecca as they welcome home Chris Mullen. Special scene. It's a great thing for the Big East to have a coach like this. For what the Big East lost with on the rehiring of Dave Latow, they won with with Chris Mullins. It's a great publicity move. Very, very good move. Having said this, I've seen a lot of people say, oh, this is a complete win, and St. John's really won on this move. Because his name is Chris Mullen? Okay, let's all pump the brakes here, and let's wait and see if, if he wins. I hope that he does. When St. John's is good, it's a good thing for the Big East Conference. 
St. John's has not met, not met the expectations. That is clear. That is clear. It just has not made the cut. It hasn't. They've played somewhat consistent basketball. Not good enough. You can call 718-664-9391, 718-664-9391. And with the core of talent they just had with Harrison, with Sir Dominic Pointer, even with the talented Chris Obekba, who just has not panned out, did not pan out this year, and look at that, I shake my head. St. John's has got to have more of an offensive identity, that is for certain. And on the defensive side of the ball, well, the jury is out on what is going to happen now in Queens. Let's go to the phone lines. Hi, you're first up on Late Night Hoops. Who's this? Hey, John, it's Zach. Hello. Zach, what's going on, my friend? Not much. Um, I want to talk a little bit of Final Four, if that's all right. Absolutely. We'll get right into it. Go right ahead. Um, just wanted to know your take on the Kentucky-Wisconsin game. Um, obviously, Kentucky is probably the favorite, um, but I really like the Badgers' chances in this game just because Kentucky has never really uh, matched up against a team quite like Wisconsin. Uh, I don't know. I just, just want to know your general take on it. I think the fact that Wisconsin gets really good shots, uh, doesn't turn the ball over, I think uh, Kentucky could have some trouble with their offense. And on the defensive side of the ball, Wisconsin has a great defense and doesn't uh, foul. So I think I really think uh, people aren't giving the Badgers enough credit, and I think they could surprise some people. Just want to know your overall take on it too. Well, Zach, if you're going to beat Kentucky, you've got to shoot the ball at least 50%. Wisconsin can do that. If you're going to beat Kentucky, you have to be unafraid to go in the rim, i.e. Notre Dame. And they went through the baseline. They used the baseline very effectively and used backdoor cuts to get past Kentucky's bigs. Wisconsin mm-hmm. has the capabilities to drive to the rim straight up. Kaminsky, Decker can do it. But this is going to come down to, Zach, you know it. If Kentucky's firing on all cylinders, it means it's getting contributions from every single one of its platoon squad here of, of yep. two lines, essentially, of players. Here's the thing with Wisconsin. They need a player like Nigel Hayes, to be himself and to play within himself. He can't have a poor game. They need Koenig to not have a poor game. It has to be a, a full effort. Hayes is the key. He's six foot seven. He defines what a tough matchup is as a sophomore, mm-hmm. has made big shot after big shot. And you look at a player like this, he's got 34 points in his last three games. I mean, as much as we talk about Kaminsky and Decker, Nigel Hayes does a little bit of everything. We know he can rebound, he can pass it. He has four assists in the victory over Arizona. If Hayes is delivering, that now really challenges Kentucky because you've got two superstars out there in Kaminsky and Decker. You throw Hayes in, and you know what? The Harrisons are good players. There's no doubt about it. Do they get inflated by the players that they're surrounded by? They do. Sorry, but they do. So I'm not saying right now. I'll tell you what. Wisconsin can definitely, can definitely do it. And, in fact, on the show tonight, I was going to say it, Zach. You led right into it. Wisconsin will do it. I'm making the bold prediction. I think the Badgers get it done with the way they're playing, the way they're defending. Uh, You brought up a good point there. And, no, I don't think there's any reason to believe that they can't do it. The key is if you have Cully Stein and Towns getting the ball on the block and forcing Wisconsin to some foul trouble, and they're going to be in for a long, long night. No, yeah, I couldn't couldn't agree more. I I think, like you said, the guard play will be important, too, because – 
the Har- they're they're smart players. The Harrisons they don't they don't turn the ball over. And same with Ulysses. Ulysses is a little small, but he he makes good plays. And they both all three of them don't turn the ball over. I think Koenig, Gosser, and Hayes, like you said, they have to have big games. They have to not turn the ball over. Hayes has to shoot with confidence. And uh, I think it's going to be a great game. But I think Kaminsky's uh, leadership. I think he's been there before. The senior. I uh, I really like Wisconsin's uh, chances. I couldn't agree with more with you. Who do you have in the other game between Duke and Michigan State? What a matchup. Uh, well, I've um, never been a huge fan of Duke, but I think um, <laughs> I think that, that'll kind of, you know, shape my decision a little bit. I'll probably have to be rooting for Michigan State. But I think um, a lot of people are <laughs> overlooking Duke on defense. I've The past couple games yeah. I've watched, especially against Gonzaga, they just really uh, – Tyus Jones and Cook are very good guard defenders and uh when you got a guy who's seven foot tall and can score the ball like Okafor does they're they're a tough team to beat and uh Michigan State's a good team they they match up well with Duke but they have they have to be at their best if they want to uh take down Coach K and the Blue Devils I think this team this Duke team is so much different than the one that just beat Virginia Tech on the road 91 to 86 in overtime on February 25th their defense was Mm -hmm. horrible that night uh, it has become a different entity since then. And I agree with you. I mean, you only allow 52 points to Gonzaga. That says a lot against their length. Zach, I thank you very much for the call. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on, John. Thanks to Zach for calling in. We go to Ben. Ben is calling tonight from Ohio. Ben, how are you? John, how are you? I'm doing well. It's a great week, Ben. Lots of things going on. We were talking about Chris Mullen to St. John. Rick Barnes heading to Tennessee. You know, I say this all the time about coaches, and I know you go to Cincinnati, and I'll say this about Mick Cronin. He's the finest of coaches, an outstanding man, and credit to his program for the way they played throughout this season. You you have to have a good leader, and you have to have stability. And you know what? I, I say to Texas, be careful what you wish for, because Rick Barnes took that program to 16 and 17 NCAA tournaments. I mean, you, you can't ask for much better than that. You have to have a good leader. You've got one in Cincinnati, but uh, – what do you want to talk about tonight? Uh, John, I just kind of want to be, I mean, fellow Cincinnati Wildcat. John, you know me. You know who I am. I, I stay up for your show all the time. I listen to it. I love it. But I to say, I think that UK is going to get a tough battle out of Wisconsin. And frankly, trust per se, I think that Wisconsin has the ability to shoot the three and they have the ability to go down low with their Big men, and I honestly feel UK is going to take a run for their money this week. I'm feeling UK, Wisconsin. I'm feeling Wisconsin with the upset, per se, of course. It's an upset, but you know what? I think that Wisconsin really has the ability to do it. Frank down low and their outside shooting and their ability to be better than UK on all aspects. Wisconsin is a solid basketball team where Wisconsin. I mean, I'm sorry, Wisconsin has the ability to play everything UK does and cause them the distraction with the three. You see, you, well, what was it? UK went, was it 12 of 17, I think, was it? Two yeah. And, and we didn't think we could, right. they could do it again, and then they almost ran it again. And they just stayed confident with the three, but they played down low. They almost played like a three-on-three game. Confident three-on-three game is you shoot the three and you drive down low. Notre Dame ran that all night. And then 
towards the very end, they just almost seem gassed. But I feel like Wisconsin can drive the lane and shoot the three. And I feel like it's going to be Wisconsin's going to run UK for their money. And I think they're going to pull the upset. I got them too, Ben. I'm taking the Badgers as well. The longer I've seen them play. And you know what? Bo Ryan should give Mike Bray a $100 bill and say, tell me everything you need to know, or tell me everything I need to know. They should become best friends this week. Notre Dame I mean, show John, if you hit the three. No, go ahead. I mean, I don't want to say this is like a game back in my childhood at St. Nature's High School, but the <laughs> Wisconsin Badgers, they are just two-dimensional. They're not just strictly two-dimensional, which UK is strictly faced here. They face mm-hmm. teams that can shoot the three and teams that can't drive. Wisconsin has a presence down low, and Frank Kaminsky, who I believe is clearly the wooden player of the year. Right. And they, also, right. yeah. they also have the, the ability to go down low, drive, and they can shoot. Wisconsin, I, True. I, I feel it. Wisconsin, Kentucky, must, also, I mean, Kentucky also hit its final eight shots against Notre Dame. I mean, let's keep in mind here, the Wildcats can play, and they can defend, Ben. Well, I mean, John, we had this argument since we were, what, going back to seventh grade, St. Bernard at CYL. <laughs> I I love your show. Support you to the fullest. John, you know where I'm coming from. West side of Cleveland Wild Boy. But, hey, John, I believe that I think Frank the Tank and Wisconsin, <laughs> Bo Ryan, Wisconsin is going to – I have Wisconsin in my record at work, Wisconsin in my record at ESPN. I – I really think Wisconsin is going to just not overwhelm UK, but I think they're going to bring UK something they haven't seen in a long time. They're going to, okay. they're going to see the presence from beyond the arc. They're going to see the presence down low. I think Wisconsin is the all-around better team, whereas UK is the better athlete. The better athlete. Interesting. I mean, you, Interesting. UK, I, I think UK has uh, – <laughs> UK, UK is not is going to get – Oh, no, no, clearly, U.K., they had a tough game against Notre Dame. But U.K. saw during Notre Dame's game, during the game during versus Notre Dame, they saw their weakness. And I think John Calipari is going to just dictate the game with his unbelievable cast of players. Those players right now, I would say two, maybe three of them are going to go to the league probably. I believe the Harrisons are going to stay for another year, but I think that UK has the ability to put two, maybe three players in the lottery, and if they don't get a third in the lottery, they're going to get a third in the first round. But I think Bo Ryan's Wisconsin is going to have the ability to dictate the time of the game. They're going to set a regiment to where they shoot the three. They're a very good three team, and they're also very good down low. And I think they're going to, if they don't win the game, they're going to put UK for, on a run for their money. I mean, I mean, I've seen some very great upsides in UK and UK. Who you got? Who you got in the other game? Who you got in the other game? Um, I mean, I can't really go against Tom Izzo because Tom Izzo runs a tournament, a tournament team. I mean, my, believe, by all means, my bracket all screwed up. Everyone's bracket all screwed up. My final. <laughs> 
because of Tom Izzo. <laughs> I mean, I mean, but you got to think Rick Pitino. Who I, I mean, my final four was Louisville, Duke, Wisconsin, and UK. And because you got to go with teams that that go so well in the tournament. Tom Izzo runs a tournament squad. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Tom Izzo, pulled, if Tom Izzo and his squad of and Michigan State pulled the upset over Duke because they're a tournament team. They play all out all day, every day. And I am more than thoroughly impressed with the way you, MSU is multidimensional. They're not just a, a squad yeah. that of three. They're not just a squad that drives. They have both dynamics going for them, and I honestly feel that that may throw Duke for a loop. Duke is used to playing the one-dimensional squad. They're used to playing the team that drives, or they're used to playing the team that shoots the three, or they're used to teams that drive, draw the foul. Where MSU is quite multidimensional, and I feel that MSU was going to take Duke for a run, on a run for their money. But, I mean, I still have Duke winning it, I mean, clearly, Julio Okafor is one of the, if not the most dominant players in the game. I think that in the national championship, we're going to see Duke versus Frank the Tank Kaminsky, easily, who, in my opinion, is the wooden player of the year, going down low. And he's too multidimensional to be put up on one standard. You can't say Frank is going to go down, go down low with the ball this time or he's going to go deep. You don't know. Frank can hit the three. Frank can hit the fader. He can do so much as to where, it's, I, in my opinion, it's a shame that Frank Kaminsky is not going to be, in my opinion, Frank Kaminsky is not going to be drafted in the first. In, I, I feel like Kentucky is going to take a lottery, is going to, two, two to three players, Frank Avenue, going to Kentucky, are going to be lottery picks. And then the third who goes to the draft is going to become a first round pick. I feel that. The Wisconsin Badgers are going to give Kentucky a run for their money, and I feel like Wisconsin is going to do the upset on Kentucky because they have the down-low presence and the outside shooting ability to turn John Calipari's Wildcats off of their throne. Ben, I thank you very much for the call. Good stuff. Hey, John, Wildcat pride, baby. Saying nature's all the way back to Cleveland. You know me, John. I'm calling Thank you, Ben. Well, that was fascinating on many levels. We have about seven minutes left in the show. <laughs> ben went on for about ten minutes there, breaking it all down with Ben Thompson calling from Ohio. Through all of his points, we'll turn now to Duke and Michigan State. On one side, the Blue Devils last year obviously felt the pains of losing in their first game of the tournament to Mercer. A year later, obviously, it's a different team. They have a dynamic backcourt with Quinn Cook and Tyus Jones. They have a great superstar in Jaleel Okafor. But what is the difference maker in all of this in the NCAA tournament? It is not only the offense, it is the defense of Justice Winslow. Mr. Winslow is playing like an animal. Not fair at all. This kid at six foot six, going on six foot seven, the length to cause matchup issues, and I cannot wait to see him 
take on Brandon Dawson and company. We shall see how that matchup goes. The fact is this. If Winslow's playing the way he's been playing, and if Okafor plays the way he's been playing, Michigan State does not have enough to lock down Duke and Duke's offense. Not many teams do. The Blue Devils' defense is still a question mark. It is better than what it was. They still have some troubles. The kid that has got to play well in this game, Emil Jefferson. If Duke, if Duke allows Michigan State to penetrate, to have the open lane, and then if Michigan State is able to kick it out to the corners, Michigan State will be in this game. Why? They're hitting from deep, figuring out a way to do it. Travis Trice is a big-time player, had 17 in the win over Louisville. But he's not the only guy hitting big-time shots who hit four of six threes against Louisville. And this is the X factor, Bryn Forbes. He transferred from Cleveland State. If you don't know about him, know about him. Six foot three, doesn't look like much, but had 14 points in 33 minutes against Louisville, came off the bench and helped the bench out against a Louisville team that doesn't have much of a bench. This Duke team is not stacked from top to bottom with them. If Michigan State can get something out of Forbes and something out of a kid like Matt Costello, then we're going to have ourselves a game. Michigan State wants a game in the 60s, low 70s. It's an intriguing thing. Brandon Dawson, 9 points, 11 rebounds in the win over Louisville. This Michigan State team is not huge by any means, which is why if I'm Duke, giving the ball to Okafor is what you need to do. It's not rocket science here. Duke on paper beats Michigan State. At the same time, there's a reason why they play the games, and Sparty's playing about as well as anybody right now. Sparty needs the three to be able to win this game. A player like Okafor in there, in the lane, you've got to figure out a way to get inside, kick it out, hit that three. And they hit nine of them against Louisville and shot almost 40% from three. They equaled Louisville on the glass. That was big. They had 20 assists. 20 assists. Denzel Valentine with six of them. He's got to be big time. He's probably the key. He's my key is Denzel Valentine. Well, Travis Trice had 17. Uh, you've got a player in Valentine who had 15, 6, and 7 in 30 minutes. In 30 minutes. Michigan State has got to penetrate and kick to the corners. They need that three ball to be falling. They've got to shoot the ball well. And you can say that about any team, but I'm saying especially about Michigan State. The best player on the floor on Saturday night is going to be Jaleel Okafor. How do you beat Duke? You spread their defense out. If you do that, then you can attack a Duke team that, folks, is not deep down low. It's not like Duke's got a platoon line of big men. It got Okafor and Jefferson. After that, frankly, it's garbage. It is. Not much going on. It's not like Duke's overcomplicated in terms of depth. They don't have the depth to compare to Kentucky. Now, no one does. But if you're Michigan State, you should not be worried about legs or depth. Because if you get what you've been getting out of Bryn Forbes, the Cleveland State transfer, you're fine. 
you are fine. He's got to hit, though. He's got to hit. They have to be able to hit the perimeter shots. And make Quinn Cook and Tyus Jones work. But the key in all this is Justice Winslow. Because I don't know right now who from Michigan State can guard the kid. He opens up the floor so well. And that's my big problem. And that's why I have Duke winning this game. But I have Wisconsin in the other affair. I think we're in for a great weekend. I want to end with this, going back to the coaching carousel. Be careful what you wish for. I go back to Rick Barnes at Texas. Had grown so much there. I understand his seat was getting hotter. I understand Texas should be doing better in the NCAA tournament and losing to Butler. Especially coming out of the Big 12, a premier conference. But you know what? Rick Barnes produced NCAA tournament berths. At the end of the day, that's when you get, you know what? You've got to accomplish that minimally, and he's done that. He did that this year with a team that their chemistry issues were, were, I think they were there. I think there were issues. Rick Barnes figured out a way to do it. Just be careful what you wish for. When you want to coach fire, there's something to say about sustainability. There's something to say about keeping a guy. There is. You want to blow things up and tell players that they got to play under a different coach? They don't want to do that. They want to play under the guy they were recruited by. And if a new coach comes in, you're going to want to play under a guy who recruited them as well, under another guy. They'll transfer. Be careful what you wish for. There's something to say about sustaining coaches in college basketball, sustaining a program. Final four weekends coming up. Go to collegehoopsdigest.com. I'll preview capsules up and all my thoughts at John underscore Fanta at NCAA Hoops Digest. That's all for Late Night Hoops. I'm John Fanta. Good night, everybody. Keep rolling with the madness.